more thick to the left Penetrating like Mike 360 degrees in the air like Dominique Mike Basketball fans, we are back with the latest Shooting the Shot podcast. I am Ryan, and I'm joined by Robin. We are missing our third amigo, Mark, who is in Australia right now, scouting the NBAL and enjoying some family time. We are going to jump in this week to our biggest surprises and our biggest duds. I know it's early in the season, but Rob and I were talking on text today, and there are a bunch of players who are overperforming what we expected, and then a bunch of players who are kind of underperforming. So I'm going to throw it to you, Robin. Who are some players that have caught your eye in a good way and some players who have caught your eye in a bad way early on? Definitely, Ryan. Well, first of all, thanks for having me again. I know I'm a co-host, but still, it's always great to be a part of this one for the year. And the season just keeps getting better. So let's get to it. And I would be amiss if I didn't shout out the hometown guy. I know we don't talk a lot about the Toronto Raptors as the hometown team here because we're just better basketball fans than that. But I got to shout out DeMar DeRozan for what he's done this season. Unbelievable start to the year. Five games to score at least 30 points. The first five games. Listen to this list he joined. Tiny Archibald, Marcus Jordan, Adrian Danley, and Michael Jordan. That is the first set of players to score 30 points in the first five games in the last 50 seasons. That is definitely some elite company, not to mention his Raptors are 4-2, and two, so definitely a good start for DeMar DeRozan. Moving on to a team that I know all of us, uh, Mark included on this podcast, were very, very excited about this season. That is the Utah Jazz and people they have not disappointed. One guy in particular I want to give a lot of credit to is George Hill. The Jazz are currently 4-3. and three. And, you know, here's an interesting point. He didn't score 20 points in back-to-back games once last season. And you know what, folks? He's averaging 20.4 through seven games this season. As at the recording of this, they are in Philadelphia right now, which, should, in my opinion, should be another win. So they, they should be on to a 5-3 and three start. So shout out to the Utah Jazz and especially George Hill for having a bit of a rebirth out in Utah. Staying on the hot list, let's go to the D and shout out Andre Drummond. The Pistons now 4-2. and two. Drummond has 320 rebound games already this season compared to uh, DeAndre Jordan. He's the only person with 20 other rebounds in one, and he only has it in one game. And and this is something I think that's even more important. He's currently shooting 48.5 from the free throw line, the place that has been a terrible place for him. And you look at that compared to last year. I know it's only two weeks in, but last year he shot 38.2%. So if a 7% jump in the first two weeks is any indication of improvement, if I'm a Detroit Pistons fan and Stan Van Gundy, I'm very happy with what I'm seeing. Now, let's go to the cold. To the cold, cold, cold. And we're going to kick it off with Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards. But I got to ha- call out Bradley Beal in particular. Currently shooting 373 from the two. And an absurd 29.6 from the three. This is the man who signed 100, and I don't know how much million dollars. He's known as a shooter, and he's just not getting it done. And as a whole, the Wizards are looking horrible at one and four to start. And then I'm going to go to, and a lot of people are going to get on my case for, for this one, but I'm going to do it anyways because that's what I do. Chandler Parsons of the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, folks. I know he only played one game, which was Sunday. And yeah, he was 0 for 8 in 22 minutes. 
And, and, he, and he said there's no problems with his knees, but I find that a little hard to believe. Chandler Parsons, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies are really going to need you this year. They're saying Conley might be having some issues with his ankles. We know Marcus Soul and his health issues. Zebo coming off the bench. They're really going to need a lot from Chandler Parsons. So, yeah, I'm throwing some cold water on him. Hopefully he can shake it off and wake up because he is a good player. So we'll see what comes from him. Your thoughts on the hot and cold thus far, Ryan? Well, first thought, Mark's not going to be happy with your Riley Beal inclusion on the cold list. You'll be getting a nasty text from him soon, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, all the way from Australia. Uh, my biggest duds, uh, Clay Thompson. This summer he made a comment that no one on the Warriors' roles had to change. Kevin Durant will have to adapt. And clearly we're seeing Clay Thompson having a hard time adjusting and adapting to a slightly modified role. He's shooting 38% from the field, which is not like him, and he needs to get going soon. They need his outside shooting on that team. Kyle Lowry is only averaging six dimes, but he's averaging 3.2 turnovers per game. He needs to get away. He needs to figure out a way to be more aggressive without turning the ball over and getting open looks to the bigs because Jonas and and uh, Pascal and a lot of their bigs and Patterson are open. They're just not getting looks. The only guy who's getting looks right now is DeMar DeRozan. Now, for biggest surprises, there's a bunch of guys that have really caught my eye in a good way so far. Two of them on the Phoenix Suns. So even though they have a good record, they have some guys playing really well for them. Tyson Chandler has been the perfect veteran post presence for that team. He's currently third in the NBA in rebounds at 13.3 boards per game, which is just phenomenal. And I'm glad to see Chandler is finally healthy again and flourishing because of that. Also on Phoenix, you have Devin Booker, who's been fighting through an injury, but he's still 12th in the NBA in scoring. Devin Booker is going to be one heck of a player. I believe he just turned 19 or just turned 20. He's still incredibly young, and the kid has a really bright future. Speaking of bright futures, Joel Embiid. Uh, the process is a 24-minute per game cap, but he's still looking amazing in those limited minutes. 18.5 points, and he only needs 12 field goal attempts. So, Robin, as good as your boy DeRozan has looked, he hasn't been an efficient shooter uh, by and large. He definitely wasn't in the last game against Sacramento. So props to Embiid for being an efficient big man in the post. Speaking of efficient, Jimmy Butler is averaging 21 points per game, but he only needs 13 field goal attempts to pull it off. So he's being incredibly efficient with uh, some good looks from Rajon Rondo. And speaking of good looks, LeBron James is now in the top 10 all-time in scoring. So props for that. But what the stat that caught my attention, he's averaging 10.7 dimes a game. So he's doing everything. And I think probably playing some of his best November basketball in a long time because usually he takes a while to get going there. Yeah, you know, just a quick comment on LeBron James there. I mean, we all know that LeBron James, if he wants, can average a triple-double every night. What I like about his game and his style of play, he knows that he has some talented players around him. There's no question. I don't need to list them. So he knows that when he drives, everyone's going to crash on him. He's going to find the open man. And he trusts his open man to make the shot. And not only just driving in kicks. His passing ability, I, I think people are finally respecting it. It's incredible. He is the type of player you want on your team because he does make everybody around him better. I have nothing but uh, the utmost respect for LeBron James, even if he's on the uh, – on the Hillary Clinton path, helping her out with her campaign. I saw that yesterday. 
but good for him. He's a big figure, and uh, him and the Cavaliers continue to roll. I think there's there's no question in a lot of people's minds that they're going to moonwalk their way to the Eastern Conference title. But that is for another day, folks. All right, our next topic uh, Robin brought to my attention this afternoon, and it's a huge one. And, and it hit a nerve for me, and I think it hit a nerve for Robin because – both of us have been credentialed by the Raptors and their amazing PR staff. And I think Rob and I are going to have a different view on this, but we'll dig into it a little bit more. But what has happened is Mark Stein and um, Tim McMahon, uh, their previous beat writer, have been have lost their credentials. And the reason being is Mark Cuban isn't happy that ESPN isn't giving is no longer giving them a dedicated beat writer. And I've been thinking about it today, and the reason being is that the NBA is a business. The Dallas Mavericks are a business. Why would you remove your beat writer? That wouldn't be good for the Mavericks' publicity to lose a beat writer. They would get less coverage, which would lead to less interest. And why would the Mavericks need to give Mark Stein credentials for a national audience and Tim and all these other guys who come through? So... I understand what Mark Cuban is doing in that he wants to kind of tighten the reins and there's only so much room in that locker room. By the time you have NBA media, your team in-house media, your local TV and radio media, then you got print journalists. There's only so much room to go around and at the end of the day, if you got certain spots, I don't blame Cuban for giving those spots to, to journalists who are going to cover his team. What's your take, Robin? Why I agree with ESPN in this situation is because, let's be honest, and no offense, Mark Cuban, I love Mark Cuban, met the guy personally, great guy, professionally and personally, but the Mavericks aren't a team to watch in the NBA. They're a maybe, maybe a playoff team in the West. So if I'm ESPN, why am I devoting my my writers and my business to your team in a time where as a broadcast or as a journalist – there isn't that much money in it anymore. I know ESPN has had massive cutbacks over the last few years. So if I'm going to have to cut back on a writer, and Tim McMahon is now, is now an NBA writer, not just a dedicated Mavericks writer, because you know what? We don't have the, the staffing to, to, to support every team in the NBA. Therefore, I need to make cutbacks. So, Mark Cuban, I'm going to write about your team when you play the Golden State Warriors, when you play the, you know, the Cavs, but we're not going to have these stories when you're when you beat the Bucks in overtime. We're not going to. I will have a story, but we're not going to have a dedicated line for you. It's not, and, and it's not the time where you know the business because the business uh, being the NBA needs ESPN. This is not some you know Tom and Jerry type operation. This is not some no name brand radio or website. This is ESPN. This is where the NBA gets its, pushes its highlights and pushes its product through. Not to mention, ESPN is also a broadcaster of the NBA and its product. Therefore, I think I know Mark Cuban, hot-headed, whatever. I think he needs to step back and say, "Whoa!" Because the reality is, the Mavericks. This is not the two thousand and seven, eight Mavericks anymore. Dirk Nowitzki is what thirty-nine now. This team is not a team that I, I must watch in my opinion in the NBA. Therefore, I think Cuban needs to calm down and just let bygones be bygones and let ESPN cover the team how they see fair and how they see fit. Because again, like I said, this is 2016. Journalism, broadcasting has changed so much even the last five, even 10 years. So it's important that you know broadcasters like ESPN 
devote their assets the right way. And I think that pulling out of Dallas isn't the biggest crime. All right, we can keep going for a long time on that, but I think we both said our, our side. So let's move on to our last Yeah, let's topic. move on. I'll, I'll take head of this. And yeah, we could go on forever, and we probably would, but we're not going to waste people's time. So let's go into our final topic of the night. Uh, something that is just we just keep shaking our heads at, and that is the state of the New Orleans Pelicans. Every day is another loss for these guys. Anthony Davis is putting up monster numbers. They have injuries. They, they just can't keep it together they recently cut they well last night to be more precise they cut lance stevenson because of a groin injury he might be out for some time but they actually cut him i believe they're looking to sign a former son archie goodwin ryan your thoughts on what the hell is going on in new orleans with that basketball franchise i have no clue i I think they have arguably one of the top five players in the nba right now one of the players if i'm a gym i want to build around just because he's young enough that you're going to have a decade of prime Anthony Davis still, and I I don't get it. I think their their big signing this summer was uh, Terrence Jones, the power forward who was out of the league for a while last year, and they lost uh, Eric Gordon. They lost Ryan Anderson, two starters. They've given way too much money to Omar Sheik in the past, and if you look at their their roster, it's just kind of like, what are you doing? It it feels like. Alvin Gentry is a great coach because of what he had accomplished in Phoenix and Golden State. I feel with him as a coach, if he puts Anthony Davis as the one big and has four shooters around him, a la what Stan Van Gunny is trying to do in Detroit and has success with in Orlando, I think the team would be just unbeatable. But Drew Holiday, for obvious reasons, is not with the teams with his wife, who I believe um, is going through something medically um it's a big deal after the birth of their their child um so no 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 uh no uh <laughs> no no rip on holiday there for being with his wife at this time but you look at the team and and they ditched Tyreek Evans they just waved him which I I, I don't get wow. and uh I think Buddy Buddy Heald is going to still be a really good draft pick for them but aside from Buddy Heald on that roster and Anthony Davis who do they really have that are like legit top-notch starting NBA guys. And I don't know how Dell Demps has his job still. And and if I'm Anthony Davis, I'm really regretting a little buyer's remorse on that last contract extension. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned with Anthony Davis. I think, uh, you know, I, what did he sign, Ryan? Five years? I, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I get it. He's going to get the most money from New Orleans and blah, blah, blah. But how long till he's knocking on the GM's door and be like, hey, man, I want out? And they, they're they kind of hamstrung. It's almost, again, like I said last week, like DeMarcus Cousins, where he is the only reason that people would even consider, A, put going to a game, B, buying any Pelicans-associated uh, uh, team team wear, team gear. So they're they're stuck in a rough situation. I've, and I almost feel for Anthony Davis because, like you said, he I definitely agree. I think he's one of the top five in the NBA. He's such a young talent, has so much skills. You know, it can do everything, and uh, it's a rough situation regardless. And I just want to address the Lance Stevenson uh, situation. I mean, I understand it from a basketball perspective, but apparently he was only guaranteed 100000 this year. Um, you know, he, he played as he played as best as he could. I'm not saying Lance Stevenson is some great player, but he did everything he could, got injured, and then they just cut him. I mean, I know it's business, but that's pretty rough to, you know, 
as as a human being like let's take away all the fame all the you know the money and all that you know you go to your job every day and you get hurt on the job you know no fault of your own you're just trying to do your job you get hurt and then because you're going to be out for a while your job just says you know what we don't we don't we don't need you anymore it's pretty harsh in terms of that reality i mean um, again, still Lance Stevenson, he's not like a friend of mine or something, but just a human being. I, I just think it's wrong to deal with people that way. But again, I guess, you know, NBA is a cutthroat business and this is a perfect example of it. Um, sadly, they couldn't replace him with anybody of talent. I guess it's kind of uh, slim pickings at this time of the year. But it's it's a rough situation regardless. And uh, I don't know, uh, you know, New Orleans recently got their franchise essentially back. And what does the future hold? We were seeing a lot of mismanagement. Are we going to see like a situation in Sacramento where, uh, you know, the owners are threatening to move, you know, because of stadium or whatever? Because, I mean, I saw, I forget which game it was uh, with the Pelicans at home and the place is half empty. And I don't think it's going to get any better um, because the team's not going to start performing, I don't think, anytime soon. And what assets do they have to offer even in a deal? Oh, they don't. And that's the problem. So, yeah. I think Del Dubs has really dug that team into uh, a hole, and it's going to be hard to get out of that hole. I don't know how they do it with Del Dubs at the helm. I mean, I hate to say it, but I think the Brooklyn Nets have more upset than these guys do. Unbelievable. Well, can we jump into that quickly before we wrap it up? Yeah, sure. I thought this team would be one of the worst of all time. If you look at the talent on that team, it looks like a D-League roster in a lot of ways, especially when they're giving Brooke Lopez a night, the odd night off just for conditioning and just for rest. Mm-hmm. But that coach has done one heck of a job of getting this team to play hard every single minute of every single game. And the Nets have been a nice surprise for me because their games have been watchable and those kids are playing hard for their coach. Yeah, props to the coach, props to the new GM for getting that team to play. Because, yes, like you said, they, they looked horrible on paper. And you just thought, you know what, they could be like the Sixers last year going oh and whatever and losing, you know, 25 games in a row. But they battle, and they battle every night. And that's good to see. That's nice to see because you would hope that a team that knows they have no chance in hell of making the playoffs or anything w- wouldn't fall into that trap. They're all hustling. They're all playing hard. And I like the fact that even giving Brook Lopez his rest, he needs it. We know his history of injuries, his history of surgeries, and that he's not—he's not a durable player. He's not going to be able to last the whole eighty-two. And again, like I think I said last week, I think he's gone at the trade deadline anyhow, because the Nets are obviously looking forwards. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, uh, regardless, we we, we have a lot of props for the uh, Brooklyn franchise, who you know look like they're going nowhere with all their draft picks traded away and, and that, but they're actually showing some fight, uh, which is good to see. All right, basketball fans, that's a wrap for this week. Thank you for listening. We are on Audio Mac. You can find us on Twitter at STS underscore pod. And once we have a few more episodes, we can start getting back on iTunes again. So in the meantime, look for us on Twitter and look for us on Audio Mac. Called up the homies and I'm asking y'all, which part are y'all playing basketball? Get me on the court and I'm troubled. Last week, messed around and got a triple-double. Freaking brothers every way like MJ. I can't believe today was a good day.